Okay, and so <laughs> I was saying something. Uh, uh, what was the beats? It? The, the beats. beats. Oh my gosh! Yes, this feels like the same universe as the Gaddis book. Like these are people mm-hmm. out of that it, book. Well, I, I almost I I thought like there's almost direct parallels. Like you could say Port is kind of a Wyatt figure, and then Kit would be Esther who turns into Esme, and then uh, Tunner is Otto. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it uh, uh, obviously it's not they're not perfect correspondences, but it's like a the kind of relationally it's similar, you know. And they and, and so they the, the beats were forging ahead and trying to live an authentic life, and and then the fifties happened, but then the sixties I feel like they they checked back in with those authentic because they were pushing the bounds so like paul and jane were both homosexual even though they're married they had other lovers paul uh was bi and and she primarily was just a lesbian but it's just it's like so fascinating because there's this moment before things kind of clamp down and we get really tightly wound in the 50s that you know uh bebop and the whole thing you know it's like uh it was experimentation. Um, did you guys notice in the movie, like the uh, the books that she has at the beginning? Um, I, I I noticed one, them, but I couldn't tell what she was reading. Yeah, one of them was uh, in French, I think. So I didn't I didn't uh, I, I couldn't see it. The, the whole title wasn't shown, anyways. But then the other one was clear, and it was uh, it was Nightwood by Juna Barnes. Um, and do you know that story? Do you guys know that story? No, I don't know. It's another like it's an obscure kind of modernist classic now. And it, Juno Barnes is like uh, um, she she's kind of having kind of a renaissance in in um, um, criticism about her, you know, like a, in in a good way um, about her work, especially this one, Nightwood. And she's yeah, she's a lesbian writer um, and. Uh, that book is is apparently very intense too. I haven't read it yet myself, but it's one to explore after watching that movie again. You know, um, but it's it's amazing that she's Kit is reading that book, which is the tie-in of Bowles and his wife to the kind of earlier modernist generation that we've been talking about, um, and especially with the idea that it was. Um, like Bowles goes to Paris, I think in the, the 20s, late 20s or something, meets up with uh, Gertrude Stein. And mm-hmm. Stein is the one who tells him originally to go to North Africa um, and to, to Tangier, I guess. And then uh, then he then he goes and then that becomes a major center for the beats. Burroughs comes after it and, and so on, you know. So there's this whole... Um, yeah, just to add to what you're saying, Doug, it's like this whole sort of uh, genealogy that we're tracing in a way, you know. Um, and I just, I want to throw in here, because this is where I go with this idea, is like, the show, so this book, I just looked it up, Nightwood, published in 1936. It looks like by New Directions, which was a publisher that yeah. published a bunch of avant-garde and kind of cutting-edge novelists, including Henry Miller. And so I think anytime I think about someone leaving the sheltering sky of the Western culture, breaking a subversive kind of um, 
resistance to maybe the collective psyche of a time, the oppressiveness of the collective psyche. He's my number one. I mean, he's one of my favorite writers. And he um, he was in this milieu, but I, I sort of like the results of his books better um, because it's like breaking out of the sheltering sky doesn't mean death. Um, and, you know, sexual slavery, you know, and total trauma and like famished trauma, you know, he, he kind of takes it a whole nother way. And that's a quick paraphrase. I know it's way more complex. We just talked all about that in the 42 minutes, but, you know, he's breaking it out and kind of showing the spiritual satisfaction that can come and the celebration of life and artistry and the creative spirit that comes from sort of, um, this heart of darkness, you might say heart of lightness or heart of joy journey. That, that I think Henry Miller can really embody. And he traveled all over during this time. It wasn't Northern Europe, but of course was Paris. And then he was in Corfu right before World War II began. Then came back to America, drove across the country, ended up in um, Northern California, the, that seaside town. I forgot the name of it, where Esalen is near there. But he's got a book called like The Air-Conditioned Nightmare, describing the 50s and describing that late 40s, early 50s post-war environment that maybe was such a shelter but then you have these kind of this subversive spirit that's still alive, right? And I think this is the chain of the of artists. This is what we're supposed to be doing is we're, we're, we're in this living chain of this kind of connection of resisting, subversively resisting through the celebration of the creative spirit. And um, I think that there's, this is an important, so this novel, I think, and this story is part of that for sure. It just gets dark <laughs> and, and, and it's like the darker side of that. And, and I think it's good to contextualize it with some other lighter kind of similarly themed uh, um, um, works of art. Yeah, the the um, the Henry Miller connection is great, too, because so you have Henry Miller and then Anais Nin, of course, right? And then Anais Nin was became a friend of Sherry Martinelli, who's Esme in, in the recognitions, right? And huh? uh, so then, then you read about, like, uh, when Tunner's talking about um, going back to New York City and then going to his friend's place where they had parties, and this is, his friend's place is where he first met um, Port and Kit. Um, and this is, like, yeah, again, like in 19, late 1940s, and it's, right. it's almost the exact same time, same place as what's going on in the, in the recognitions. Like it, you get the sense that it could be the same parties, could be the same group of people that they're hanging out with. Um, so, I yeah, mean, I, I kind of felt like it was the same group. Yeah, 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 yeah me too. It, it was almost like a yeah, perfect, uh, perfect continuation in a way. Um, but but, but here's some... Yeah, uh, sorry, Doug. Yeah, go ahead. Uh... Well, the strangeness for me about this book is... All right, so... Um, even though... So there's there's a hopefulness to the recognitions because there's, there's, there's some kind of metaphysical journey that is humorous. I, I don't... Because there's humor mixed in, it, it just feels different. But so the interesting thing for me like from a like a psychological standpoint is this is how i feel right now too for some reason like like um like we went through the whole you know evolution sync book stuff and everyone found each other and then 2012 was kind of like either it was a thing that we didn't actually understand or it was a non thing and then they kind of transmuted into this strange political thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like there's uh, 
you know, so it, it's bizarre because the whole Q phenomenon really does feel like it. it you know, it's it's like a like a synchronicity thing. Like a lot of the mm -hmm. principles are based on you know basically synchronicity. You know, it's like uh, they're so it just and then because it all kind of this whole chapter came to an end when when Trump left office. It just feels like this is the book that I needed to read. Like, this is how I feel right now. You know, it's like, um, you know, what, am, what am I interested in? What, what is authentic? You know, it's what is, what is nourishing? Is it the soup with the bugs? <laughs> <laughs> well, this it's funny. Cause I wanted to share this with you guys. Like I had seen this trailer actually like a week or two before. That's part of why when I, when I got your email, Doug, and I saw you, it said, SJ, you named me in particular. Um, and then I saw the book and then I remembered it was like two weeks before that I had randomly stumbled, on, stumbled onto or clicked a link of an article that was like Oscar films that were, you know, these articles, these clickbait articles, like the top 10 Oscar films that didn't win, but were important or something. And I, I stumbled onto an article and it had this film and Bernardo Bartoluzzi and John Malkovich. So I clicked the trailer. I had watched the trailer before I got your email and then and then bought the film that day that I got your email once I decided to, to jump on and kind of go on this journey. But that was part of my synchronicity. And part of it was like, OK, why, this is amazing. And I watched the trailer again. And this this the famous line, maybe one of the best I've, I've used this with people that I've met here now, <laughs> this line from the trailer and from the book. They say, oh, what are you doing? What are you? You know, I was like, I'm a I'm a. I don't pre present it in quite the same way, but this the, the, the idea behind the quote, he's like, tourists, I can't wait to get back home, maybe to New York, to the sheltering sky, that toxic New York that Henry Miller resisted, you know, and that even when he came back to America, he had that toxic kind of New York scene, tr that materialism transformed Miller. He broke out of that in Europe and then broke out of it in, in California late in his life. And, and that be, kind of came the purpose of his art spirit, you know, right? But, 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 um, I tell people, you know, um, so Taurus, this is in the book. So, sorry, go back to the book. Taurus can't wait to get back home. As soon as they arrive, they're thinking about back home. And it's funny because Kid is saying, like, what about New York? When she talks about <laughs> about the dream, she's concerned about back home. So, in a sense, she mm -hmm. still has that Taurus mentality. And she says it, I'm like half and half. Tunner's a tourist, Kit's half and half, and Port is the traveler. This is the person who does not know if they'll ever return or when they'll return. And... That is um, just to go to the present moment and post Trump and 2020 and the, the massive changes in the world, COVID-1984, we might say, if you're of that mind, you know, we're in a world now of where the free movement of borders is gone. I don't know when it will come back uh, unless you kind of go along with this medicalized new rule set. And some people love it, so but but a lot of people don't. I mean, a good chunk of the population, 30, 40 percent, is going to be highly resistant of it. But I think the idea of the free freedom of movement that was so much a part of post-World War II and even the, between the war with Miller and that free travel and visas and particularly if you're an American, that's all gone. But this spirit, you know, and I've had to, from, to just to kind of personalize it, that's how I've been living. It's like, I'm not going back. I don't want to go back ever. So I'm a traveler. So I love that line. I was like, yes, you know, <laughs> and, and uh but then at the same time, you know, there is um, this new kind of new world we're in and how 
how does that function? The other line I really like, I, this is the one I've been telling people more. It's like, what's your plan? Well, my only plan is I have no plan, you know, <laughs> and to kind of live and love in this kind of Millerian, Millerian style of just embracing life and everything like that. So, but I mean, this is important to bring it to the present. It's wise. It's like, I'm thinking about that too. And then I saw the book. I was like, oh, this book and novel. And then there's like this horrific death. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to relate to this. And this isn't part of my story. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but well, I wanted well, to is... invite you just because you're, you are the traveler. And so you can fully relate with like, you know, it's like, okay, so you you think you're the only one out there. And then you all of a sudden bump into some other English speaking people in a white mercedes you know or like so like the synchronicities of of the adventure and then also like it, making bad decisions like and how those bad decisions can like come back to haunt you um yeah I, just, I, for me it's attitudinally just real quick it's like this hubris that i think poured embodies that's really what i try to tease out and as much as possible but kind of just be a open humble kind of um someone that's entering into a new place that's very deferential and trying to bring love and and, and raising places up and trying to not have as much of an attitude of course we all bring in our preconceived notions but it helped me in that sense to read kind of attitudinally what i don't want to uh, bring into my travel, my traveling that I saw port kind of embodied. So, yeah, this is the thing um, I wondered about too. You know, like um, this is a, a difference in the in the movie that is not in the book, um, and I wondered what Bowles thought of that, where they make that distinction between the traveler and the tourist explicit, right? And they're actually having a conversation about it and calling calling each other traveler or tourist or whatever. In, in the book, it's just a thought by Porter. Um, and so I wonder if, if yeah. Bowles wanted that to be so explicitly stated, you know? Because that's the other thing when traveling, like me too, I've done, I, I've traveled in the same way um, for quite a while too. And, uh, and you get the sense when you, when you travel like that, um, if you meet another so called traveler, right? Then there's kind of like this weird thing, like who's the real traveler? <laughs> you know, like it, it is kind of a, a like uh, like how long have you been traveling for? Where have you been? Has it um, have you been into like crazy places where it's only you or whatever? And 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 it's almost like you don't when you're traveling like that. You don't want to meet another traveler. You want to be the only one in a sense. You know, so it is kind of a hubris, like you said. Like I can remember. Um, when I was in the north of Laos, and I was uh, I was just hiking basically through these hill tribe villages in the in the north of Laos, and there's there's nobody, there's no tourists up there at all. You know, it, there are in Thailand in those hill tribes, but in, in Laos there's nothing. And um, I was right up to the north of Laos and very very close to the border of uh, China, and uh, and I was going from little village to village and I, um, I knew some Lao so I could speak some Lao but those people spoke their own languages so, so I could speak to them sort of um, and so I stayed at this one village and this trail it wasn't a road or anything it was just a foot trail going on through the the, the countryside right and, and you know, I asked where does that go to and they said 
ah, China <laughs> goes into the it goes in the same hill tribes in China. So at that place, the border doesn't exist really in the in the same sense that we'd think of it. You know, I don't I don't think there'd be any checkpoint at all there. And uh, just at that moment, I was like, I, like I didn't have a visa. I have a I had a passport, but I didn't have a visa for China. And I knew China is pretty strict about having a visa and stuff. Um, but at that moment, I was like. Uh, I should just do it, you know, I should just go further in, just go further into the darkness, you know. And then, so that's the sense, like, uh, that, that Porter has, you know, he loses his passport. Even better, <laughs> go, go to some crazy uh, um, town in the middle of the desert that nobody knows about. Like, he's going around the town and asking about it, and nobody even can tell him much. And he's happy about that, you know. And, then he, and he's finally happy that he doesn't have a passport, and he's going into it. Um, so he reaches this town and he, it's, it's amazing for him because he can't find any trace of European civilization at all, but then he gets really, really sick. You know, that's when he, he completely comes down with typhoid. Um, so there's this sense like, uh, yeah, like with the Henry Miller connection as, as well, like, uh, me too. He's one of my favorites and he really embodies this kind of yes. And, um, and Henry Miller talks about how Joyce has this yes too, which we've talked about, you know, like this, this complete affirmation of life. Um, and, but with this book, you know, Port has the same kind of affirmation in a sense, but he also, he affirms the no, you know, like he, the, uh, the no is there. And that's, seems like that's Bowles's focus is exploring the no. And at one point, in his delirium, Port just yells out, no, 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 It's just, um, that's all he can say, you know? But, but if you get into, like, uh, his, his visions, this is the, this is the weird, this is the part I was going to read out to you, um, just this, um, this place, like his, it's just one section. His reaction, his reaction was always the same, a sensation in which the outer parts of his being rushed inward for protection, the same mo- moment, uh, the same movement one sometimes sees in a kaleidoscope, on turning it very slowly, when the parts of the design falling fall headlong into the center. But the center, sometimes it was gigantic, painful, raw, and false. It extended from one side of creation to the other. There was no telling where it was. It was everywhere, and sometimes it would disappear. And the other center, the true one, the tiny burning black point. Okay, that's the thing to remember would be there in its place, unmoving and impossibly sharp, hard and distant. And each center he called that. He knew one from the other, and which was true, because when for a few minutes some, sometimes he actually came back into the room and saw it, and saw Kit, and said to himself, I am in Sabah, and he could remember the two centers and distinguish between them, even though he hated them both. He knew that the one which was only there was the true one. Well, the other was wrong, wrong, wrong. And then this is the last paragraph. This is what I was, I was asking about, Doug, if you remember this. This is, a, this is amazing. This little, it's just a tiny paragraph. This is amazing. Um, his cry went on through the final image. This is the image of his fever dream. The spots of raw, bright blood on the earth, blood on excrement, the supreme moment high above the desert when the two elements, blood and excrement, long kept apart, merge. A black star appears, a point of darkness in the night sky, clarity, point of darkness and gateway to repose. Reach out, pierce the fine fabric of the sheltering sky. 
take repose. And then that's it. That's he. He's dead. He goes to the black star. <laughs> wow. So I, I, I pulled that quote and put it in here. I had pulled a few quotes. Um, I, I, I remembered more of the, the beginning of that and less of the end of the. Oh, those are in different pages, yeah, different different episodes. But I was just tying in the, the two centers. So the center, one of the centers is dark point. And then it turns out, what is this dark point? The true center, it's the black star. You know? And that's where he ends up. Uh, if you juxtapose that with the video online you can find of Henry Miller on his deathbed. <laughs> oh, really? I think it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great video. He's on oh, his deathbed. Wow. I don't think he dies immediately, but it's like on the bed he does he doesn't get up from, and he, and he's crying in a way, and he's like, it's just so beautiful. I'm so grateful for my time here, and it's the love for people. That's what you know. It's like this really optimistic. It's the it's the white center, I guess, or the white star, maybe a model, but um, I think um, uh, just I just go yeah, ahead. Sorry, go sorry. ahead. No, I just what was like what I was going to say um, was this is the attitude. So I think that we can describe Port as dangerous. I mean, he's a traveler. Yes, but he's not doing it in a way that I would recommend for people of like going into like dangerous places, disregarding your passport. You know, it's almost like there's a kind of a, a, a desire an, an eroticism that comes with letting go of some of the practical considerations that I think would be important. And maybe and, and then I think part of that also might be like when you read Miller, he's often describing in his pages of like he'll celebrate the little things he sees everywhere. It's like this. These are beautiful. This culture is amazing. Their music is so profound and powerful. And it's like almost like he's going into the streets to sort of uplift this kind of raw feature of human life that we share, right, cross-culturally, music, love, life, food. And food's a big part of his writing, too. So I think that's a juxtaposition, the the, pizza, the fly soup versus in Miller, there's like long passages about the souffle and, you know, how this tastes so wonderful. And he's kind of coming from the streets. And so it's almost like a spit in the face of high-level food culture. You know, he's just enjoying it in a raw form in a way. But this kind of passion and celebration and embrace, I think, is almost the guide for his um, desire to pierce the sheltering sky, not through death and darkness and danger, but through this kind of light and love and kind of uplifting celebration. But those passages, man, sound like uh, amazing. Like uh, that sounds like some really powerful writing that. It feels like the book may be leading up to some of that, and almost like a climax of the ver the verbiage and the prose. It sounds like it gets a lot better later. So um, that's exciting from a, like a, a literary perspective that that you have these kind of flourishes. I mean, that's profound philosophical, you know, you know, contemplation there. So, oh, one other yeah. quick thing. I was here when I saw this movie, when I first got here, I was in this hotel and right next to it is like one of the main strip clubs. Um, there's only a couple here. I don't go to, I haven't been to a strip club in years and years and years. Okay. But I was thinking, shit, maybe this is what I need right now. Like when I first got here, it's right there. It closes at 10 because of the COVID. It's like six to 10. Maybe I'll just walk in there, get a tea or something, check out some beautiful ladies. And I saw this movie and I was like, uh, it just reminded me why I haven't been to a strip club in so long because I just don't like that 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 vibe. It's just not part of what, you know, the kind of sex. It, it's a whole different conversation. But I mean, I feel like this 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 horror um, that he was sleeping with, 
and she was trying to rob him and it kind of kicks off that dangerous side, I guess, of traveling. So just, just to juxtapose my truck style of, is not this kind of living on the edge. Um, even though I thought maybe I should walk in there, I decided not to, cause I'm just kind of maybe safer going for this other model. So anyhow, throwing those out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the obvious thing, right? Oh, the Black Star with, with David Bowie. Um, and so I looked that up. Like I was like, well, has anyone else um, talked about this? And I found one guy on the internet talking about this, um, saying that, yeah, Bowie was a fan of Paul Bowles. He had this book. So it's probably, um, it's, there is probably some connection of, of the uh, the Black Star with this, you know? And so especially with, with Bowie's album being the, uh, being his last and sort of a, sort of a premonition of his own death um, knowing he might die too because he yeah. i think recorded it when he was sick and so that's really yeah. interesting um so it's like uh yeah i, I just kind of i i wonder about that too it's like uh um so bowie i think his his experience is sort of an affirmation as well you know um and if if this is the connection that bowie's making the black star with this um i kind of read that paragraph as is as being a final complete affirmation, you know, finally he finds repose, you know, um, and I, I had the sense if there is a connection with Bowie and this is that that's Bowie's experience of it as well, you know. Um, so it's, uh, I, I don't know, like I read, I, I read Miller in the, in the same way I think as you do, and it just like it's it's completely empowering and 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 affirmative. Um, but I, I also, I love Bowles, this book and his other writings too. And they're, they're all similar, they're a similar tone to, to this. Um, this kind of, uh, it's, it's an existential, it's an existential realization, right? So he's coming out of existentialism in a way. Um, and I, I think he gets associated with it, but in a way he's sort of in between the existentialists and the beats, um, and he's taking these things that could be negative, like if you read Sartre's Nausea, right? And it's completely uh, a downer. Like I, I read that book in, in high school and, and it, it, I, I was depressed for, for months reading that. Um, but uh, this one, he, I don't know, Bowles, I think, gets down to the stark, bare, dusty, dirty reality and then affirms that, you know, like finally ends up affirming that where it's, whereas, um, I, so I, when I'm you were not, reading that passage, that, I was thinking about gas, you know, we were talking about the no and yeah. the yes. And so you yeah. had the blood on the shit and then it's like, man, you're just conjuring up like the gas tunnel world for me. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in a sense, like I, um, it's hard to say what gas is doing in the tunnel. I still don't. I still don't know really. But um, I, I guess there's. We talked about that before. Like there's an affirmation in that book as well. I think. Um, but with Bowles, it's just like uh, it. It's. Uh, I don't know. He. You. You get the sense that he's looking at things with. Um, without the rosy colored glasses, you know, and and really trying to strip away that and see things for the, like, the dirt and maybe evil that it is in this world, you know? But at the same time, 
reaching that bottom and then being able to say yes to it, you know, yes to the no. It's like a right hand, left hand path kind of thing uh, that we're describing yeah, here in a way. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah okay. that's yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, but yeah, especially if you read his other books, like uh, "Let It Come Down," is is even in a way it's even more brutal than this one. Um, and then it, one of his later books, uh, what's that one called? Um, it's a really good one. Um, I think it's his last novel. Yeah, it's called Up Above, up above, up above yeah. the World. That one's set in, in Central America, um, which is interesting for me because I traveled there in Central America, um, so I had, could get a real sense of it. But it's it's like you read this, and it's like uh, it's all about MK Ultra. You know, like he's I think I think he had that fully in mind. I don't know his connection with it, but it's like it's describing the the processes of MK Ultra in it. Um, so, it... so I want to get back to the idea of the traveler a little bit because the interesting thing is that, especially in the film, they're kind of painted as as like rich kids. So, like the reason why they can be travelers, like especially Tunner, is because they're wealthy Americans. Yeah. So it, it about port. It describes one point in the novel that his father died and left him That's a bunch right. of money, so he didn't have to work. Yeah. And so, like, all the composer stuff in the film, I didn't really get in the book. No, it's not there. So it's making, it, in the in the movie, it's making more of a tie-in to Bowles and his wife, you know? Yeah, and they made Deborah Winger look like Jane as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, in I don't know, like, I guess Bowles accepted that interpretation because he's in the movie, right? But uh, I don't know how much he intended that in the book. Well, and I, I, I thought that was interesting to end the film with, like the one, the the quote that everyone knows from that book. You know, the, uh, you know, how many times do you really have the moonrise left? Is it mm -hmm. you know? twenty times? Yeah, I, you know, to juxtapose that, I mean, this might be to go back to kind of combine the two of the traveler and the and then this light hand, uh, the the left right path so to speak, in terms of finding these greater truths. Miller was famously just impoverished. You know, he, got, he, he mm -hmm. arrived in Europe with almost nothing. And that the opening pages of the first novel that he published and the one that's about that period when he first gets to Paris is like, I'm a free man. Like, I have nothing. I have no money. You know, spit in the face of all the religion, the culture, the art up into this time. And I'm totally free. And then he survives you know, with the, with with as a survival technique, being this celebration, this 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 kind of joy that he's able to bring to people, and then other travelers kind of break him off money. Eventually, um, Anias Nin does take him in and funds him effectively. And there's a there's a line in the movie Henry and June um, that so maybe you know Hill Miller because he ends up being protected by money is not so much different than a porter or a tunner here, but. One of my favorite lines in that is when he first meets uh, Anais Nin's husband, they bring him back to have a lunch. And um, 
you know, he's like, wow, this is how you're living after the end of the depression. This amazing villa. How did you live before the war? And he's like, we lived well. You know, it's just this like understated euphemism, you know, like they're completely rich during a really difficult time. He's like, we lived well, you know, and and so Miller is just there kind of basking in it and in awe of it. But he certainly didn't attitudinally wasn't birthed out of that. It's almost like the money came to rescue him once it had seen his willingness to to live. So, you know, with so much vivacity uh, without it in a way. So it is an interesting, now we, when we, when, as soon as you bring money in, man, all the themes come up, you know, the economic side of the exploitation and of the so-called world order, post-World War II and banks and military then comes into the play. And that's always in the background, isn't it? You know, who's got the biggest tanks and who controls the currencies and then the citizens that are maybe closer to the capital of empire have the, are beneficiaries. Uh, being able to travel in the outer regions, you know, easier. And it's it's funny you mentioned this because like Tirana, one of the great things about Albania, I can get a year here uh, as soon as upon entry, I have a full year. And America is the only country that has been given that status, American passport holders. So uh, in a sense, I'm a beneficiary of that empire. I thought about that a little bit too with, with these my recent travels. But um, yeah, Doug, I mean, I... You know, I think you can do it if you've got that sense of travel. You can do but it. So get, yeah. now with our internet-connected world, it seems like you could you could have a, a like a remote job. You know, you could still have money coming in. You could do some kind of work and just travel, whereas you know you wouldn't have to have like a giant bankroll as before. Yeah, that's what yeah. I do. I mean. So it's, it's, um, um, yeah, when I was traveling, I was just, uh, I was hitchhiking everywhere and picking up jobs on the way and, uh, and then camping out mostly. Um, so it's like, a, yeah, that style, that sort of, uh, Kerouac style or, or Henry Mill style before that, their beat style, it, that's, that w was possible. I think it still is, you know, I think people are still doing that, you know? Yeah. I met an Australian here that, um, I, I we, when you meet, there's a lot of uh, tour, uh, people living here that speak English, like you were alluding to earlier, Snor, and I met this guy at a little gathering, and I was like, so what about your visa? And he was like circumspect instantly, and he's like, how long have you been here? He's like, he seems, basically, it seems like he's been here, he's illegal here, and um, he's living out of these hostels and just kind of doing it that way, roughing it is how I might say it, but... He's just kind of going beat beat nicking it. You know, I love that and on the road when he's sleeping out in the tents with the workers and the farm workers and eating bread and cheese and hitchhiking and that style. There are people doing that definitely. I'm meeting them here. So um, buskers. There's some like some people put up a sign that said uh, Argentinian uh, punk rock and they're just busking with this Argentine Argentine music. It's kind of I was kind of mad about that. I was like, fuck it, man. I want to hear the local music, not your, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> but but it is nice to have that multiplicity and the travelers and this kind of beatnik feel. Certainly, um, is is still alive. Um, and Albania is a great place. They're coming here because of the COVID restrictions. You know, mm -hmm. all of the last year, there's only two countries in the world that you could enter. Off and on, there's been some others, but many in the Balkans. No tests, no quarantines, no vaccines. Now, with the vaccine being so popular, um, this part of the world retained that openness, and I think it drew people in. Um, yeah. So. That's... 
Well, so we did never talk about the Lyles. Um, mm. What was what did you think about the Lyles, SJ? Well, I was I was thinking I would see him earlier in the book because they appear in that first. I think they appear in the very first scene. I feel like they come up in the book earlier or uh, in the movie earlier than in, in the book. And so I was wondering, I wanted to ask you guys, like, when do they appear? Are they as important in the book as they seem to be in the movie? In the movie, they almost feel like demons or something like they're there. They're hovering over they, it, and, and they're kind of interfacing, going in and out with the Lyles. And it's almost once that once they break free from the Lyles, it's, you know, there's less shelter, you know, in a way, deeper into the heart of darkness. It's like they're one final boss, you know, in an earlier level or something like that. Um, but yet yeah, Elias seems scary to me. And, and the way he was sort of deformed, like his complexion, it just seemed like he could get treatment for that. Um, and I was wondering what that was about or, you know, the sun in particular feels like a, a demon demonic or, or just an oddity. Uh, dreamlike, I would think, a dreamlike entity. You know, this this is how I would was thinking about the, the Lyles. Yeah. Did you um, did you get the feeling that I I don't know. It seems like they were, I I didn't have the same mental image as what was presented in the film. Yeah, I didn't quite either. But um, how do they? How are they treated? Yeah, I mean, it, what what are they like in the in the? What the, the behavior the was yeah. seemed correct, but just the kind of like he was the son was so creepy, like yeah, you get it. You get a sense he's just sort of a younger guy, um, British guy. Um, I I didn't get a sense that he would he would be overweight or anything like that. You know, um, like I don't I don't mind how they presented him in the film. He's that actor is great. He's the same. Have you guys seen that movie Gothic, which came out maybe around the same time, a couple of years earlier or something? Which is about uh, Mary uh, Shelley and Percy Shelley and uh, and Byron on a lake in Geneva, having all these trips. And he he appears. That actor, I can't remember his name, appears as this doctor Polidori, who writes one of the first stories about vampires. Um, so he's oh, totally yeah. that cast of <laughs> character. But uh, well, I think that guy's in Harry Potter. Is he? Yeah. So you get a sense like he. Um, I don't know. Like the. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to think about the Lyles, like what they. What they mean, like you you do meet that kind of person occasionally when you travel. Um, like when when I was living in Bangkok, there's this. You meet all these weird dudes living like weird, older people living in guest house cheap guest house for ages and some of them are real kind of like seem like old world british empire types you know like a and it's it, the same kind of prejudices that they seem to have against the french and against the uh, the natives and against the jews and against every, <laughs> the arabs everybody you know um yeah I mean, part of why I feel like these are like spirits in a way in the film, at least how they're presented. I mean, obviously he's obsessed with spirits, right? He keeps wanting to get drinks. That's why he's bumming money for drinks and smokes. Mm-hmm. But the scene as they're leaving to go out to the desert and he's on the balcony, like drunk and like dancing, saying, kitten port, kitten port. I was like, what? You know, this obsession almost, almost like he was a fairy or something there to become obsessed with them energetically. 
or some kind of vampiric entity or, or fairy or something there. And then, of course, he propels the narrative further by stealing the passport. Yeah. So it's almost like he's cast in this guy, like a guide spirit or a some kind of weird spiritual energy that's part of the darkness they enter into, you know, and, and it moves them ahead. But that was a that was a trippy scene, wasn't it? A strange kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. Obsessive. That's something that's that's not in the book, but it's something that could be in the book. Like it might add something to the book. Like I, I, I thought that was a great scene to to sort of add. Uh, like Timothy, yeah, he's kind of obsessed about both of them. Um, and it, and it, yeah, it sort of um, ties into that 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 book I mentioned up above the world. Like that that same sort of. Like it's almost like he's he and his mother and, and Port even talks about that in the book that they're trying to tie Kit and Port and Tunner into their own game and he hasn't really figured out what the Lyles have in mind for them. Um, it turns out maybe it was just the passport, but as you said, it's like the passport is what carries the plot forward. So yeah, what do <laughs> what are they really? Um they're, so this guy oh go ahead. No, no, go ahead. This guy, Timothy Spall, I just pulled up his um, IMDb and the right thing that jumps out right away. He's in Vanilla Sky. So oh. that's that's the movie that, you know, 2001, 9-11, uh, all of that's wrapped up. David played, obviously, has done a great work on Vanilla Sky. But so, so what is the actor's name? Timothy Spall. Timothy Spall. Timothy Spall. Okay, yeah. I think I'm sure he's in Gothic as well. When did Gothic? Oh, he is in Gothic. That's how I found him. I googled Gothic, Gothic, and he plays the doctor, just like you said there. Yeah. Doctor. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. This movie came out. It looked like it was released um, right at the end of 1990, and then you have Naked Lunch, and Paul Bowles is also in the movie Naked Lunch, and that comes out at the end of 91. Um, so it's kind of a connection with those two and henry and june the film i just referenced came out in 1990 mm, yeah yeah so there was something about the this you know beat but even pre-beat because i feel like yeah, this is like connected yeah. to the modern the modern modernist beats i call them beats because even the uh, the beats will tell you miller massively influenced them and that, that oh style yeah 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 life. that's it that's that's one of the huge i've got this quote from miller um this is from uh uh, Tropic of Cancer. It's one of my favorites. Um, and I, well, I'll read it. Um, I, he says, I love everything that flows, said the great blind Melton of our times. I was thinking of him this morning when I awoke with a great bloody shout of joy. I was thinking of his rivers and trees and all that world of night which he is exploring. Yes, I said to myself, I too love everything that flows. Rivers, sewers, lava, semen, blood, bile, words, sentences. <laughs> and he's yeah. and he's talking about Joyce, like he's talking about Joyce and Finnegan's Wake. And, and I read this ages ago before I ever read Finnegan's Wake, and I loved it. And it's I I never knew until quite recently that this is he was actually talking about uh, Joyce and Finnegan's Wake here. But just like you said, this affirmation of everything that flows, you know, that's a great Which, juxtaposition. That passage with uh, with the uh, um, the poor deathbed passage because they talk about bodily excretion. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, those are two wonderful passages to to have read here. Wow, powerful. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really is sort of the yes and the no of things. Um, but uh, 
Yeah. So the sense I got from this book reading it the second time is, is like I was saying, like this whole train of omens that that go all the way through it. And it's almost like, um, like I was saying, it's the setting itself doesn't matter as much as this sort of journey that they're having with these omens. And it's even like... Um, it's described in the in the novel too of of Kid and Port, of making the fatal error of thinking that uh, life is timeless, you know, and that each year just continues much the same as another year, you know, it just continues on like that. Um, so maybe that's the error that he that that Bowles is talking about, like he's sort of stepping back from his own experience and realizing he had made that error and then an exploration of, of the lives of people who, who are making that error and, and, and what happens because of it, you know? Wasn't um, he 21 when he wrote the book? I mean, I, I think I read that. I mean, he was quite young when he produced yeah, I know, this. I don't know. I didn't look that up. It feels like he, I, I was thinking, wow, what a, um, a wise man for such a young age when he wrote again? this. He was he was twenty one, I believe, when he started writing. No, this I book. think he was thirty eight. Okay, okay, I, I got that be... wrong. Yeah. So, so I think that was one of the remarkable things was that this was his first novel, and he wasn't like a, a wonderkind, although he is. So that's what's really fascinating. So, like when you were saying Gertrude Stein said you should go to Morocco, but he was supposed to go to Morocco with Aaron Copeland and, and, you know, study composition with him. Mm -hmm. And he did. And Aaron Copeland is like, yeah, I don't like this <laughs> and left. But, you know, then Paul Bowles continued. And so like, I did a little bit of like, uh, just looking around at his body of musical work and, you know, it, it's good. It, it sounds, yeah. Of, of its time and place i don't i don't care for like theater songs per se but like his piano works or his orchestral stuff is you know it, it sounds like well, classical music of the age well he's also he's also really well known of of uh of presenting the ethnic music of that period and bringing it forward you know um that's kind of as a as a uh, as a musician, maybe, or as a composer, I, I see him more like that in a way. You know, like a, um, all of this incredible music that he brought forward from from North Africa. Well, so that's actually really interesting. Um, if you if you think about like when you go to a classical performance, you know, and. So this is like the ultimate of refined culture, you know, so you're in your, your fanciest clothes and you're with all the fancy people and the lights go down and, and they're, you know, you feel pretty good about yourself because, you know, here's the fancy Western music that they're playing, right? Mm. And so like what he did with his life is almost like he got as far away from that as he could. You know, Damn, so wanna... it doesn't make it any less, it doesn't make it any less important, um, you know, the music of some other place. It's just not, it's not, um, 
what we consider high art necessarily, you know?